NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Hello, and welcome to this special broadcast of NWP Radio for Write Out 2021. I'm Christina Cantrell from the National Writing Project, and I'm coming to you from Philadelphia. As we are writing out together, I wanted to recognize the original inhabitants of the land that I'm on, which is originally known as uh, Lenape Hoking. This is the traditional homelands of the Lene Lenape people, who I just learned at this weekend while I was at a write out event with the Philadelphia Writing Project, they're still fighting to be recognized in the state of Pennsylvania. So I wanted to acknowledge that. Write Out uh, is a two week free event hosted by the National Writing Project and the National Park Service. We're in the middle of it right now and it goes through this Sunday. So we are excited that you're here to join us and we encourage you to get involved however you can, however you want to this coming week. Tomorrow is the National Day on Writing. So we're happy to come together and celebrate place and community at this moment that we're bringing national attention to writing and creating. So today's broadcast, and I would say um, this year's Write Out event overall <clears throat> is made that much more special this year by the participation of leaders of Outdoor Afro. And so this includes Chaya Harris here, Leandra Taylor, Tasha Harris, um, and they'll all introduce themselves and also tell us more about their network in a moment. Uh, this broadcast is also being co-led by park ranger Alana Smith. She's from the Golden Gate National Recreation Center in San Francisco. So thanks everyone here for making and taking the time to spend with us and to join us this evening. Alana, maybe you can get us started, just you know who you are, where you are, and maybe something you've done or inspired to do around Write Out this year. Absolutely. Thanks, Christina. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. My name is Alana Smith. I am the Presidio Education Program Manager here at Golden Gate National Recreation Area in San Francisco. Uh, I am on the ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone. As far as something that I've done so far for Write Out. I was really excited a few days ago to respond to the prompt um, by Amy Herzl, and it was about contrasting worlds, looking at the intersection between, uh, it was human and uh, natural features through poetry. So really enjoyed that. And I'll pass it on to Rich. Thanks, Lana. Um, Rich Novak here. I am here in Connecticut, where I'm a high school English teacher. Connecticut, uh, the specifically where I live and teach is the ancestral homeland of the Golden Hill Paguasset tribe, who I just did a land acknowledgement with this weekend, as a matter of fact. Um, and in terms of write out, I've been working with the write out folks since its inception this year. I helped lead with the help of Brian Crandall of the Connecticut Writing Project of Fairfield and Kristen Lassard, the park ranger. At Weir Farm, we led a workshop with teachers where we were outdoors just this past weekend uh, in this beautiful fall weather. And uh, Alana, another thing I did, I forgot to mention this, I also showed your video to my 10th graders as we were beginning our story mapping. So thank you for inspiring them. And uh, I'm going to pass it over to Dominique. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be here tonight. My name is Dominique Carrard. I live in Cambridge 
Massachusetts and work in Brookline, um, not too far away. Uh, both are the ancestral home of the Pawtucket and Massachusetts tribes. And my first graders are currently working on some land acknowledgements for our school community. So that's really exciting. Um, I haven't tried anything yet this week, but what I'm hoping to try with my students is a, a prompt about inventions and thinking about inventions that really have shaped our world. Um, and we're going to be thinking about technology, how technology is something that can help solve a problem, help make our world better. And when we begin that conversation, we'll hopefully take this idea of inventions outside into a garden that's in our school. And I will pass it over to Maya. Hi everyone, I'm Maya Mackey. I work with the National Park Service on the West Coast, so San Francisco, California. Um, I have not done a lot of ride out activities right now, but I'm very inspired to go outside and just sit on my patio and journal whatever I feel is necessary at that time. And I'll pass it to Chaya. Thanks, Maya. So my name rhymes. I'm Chaya Harris. I'm the National Program Director with Outdoor Afro, and I am calling in from Boston or Wampanoag Ancestral Lands. And this weekend, I was able to host a nature journaling session with folks here in Boston, and we pondered what makes us feel connected to a space. It was really delightful, really refreshing to hear some of our stories, and I look forward to adding to my notebook this evening with Leander and the crew. So I will pass to Benny. Hello, everyone. My name is Benny Batum, and I uh, want to recognize that uh, we're on the ancestral homeland of the Ramatosh Ohlone, and uh, they are still here. Their descendants are still here, and uh, I work on Alcatraz Island, um, and I work with students, both middle and high school students, uh, and we work a lot uh, with inquiry, uh, along with a team, Alana, uh, with Alana, and other team members, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, working with students and seeing the island through their eyes. I'm always inspired how they see the island and how they use observation and inference. Uh, and also with this, uh, with this program, we're looking at uh, uh, how artifacts, what artifact represents them, what that they have that represents them. They always, and that's a question that uh, uh, we're we're going to pose with the students, and I, put, I did it the last time, my last program, because since we're doing virtual, I, and I'm excited that we're having a, our first real life program in November, since uh, since COVID, it's been two years since I've had we've had students on the island, so I'm really excited about that. And I'm going to pass it over to um, let's see, Tasha. Hello, so start video. My name is Tasha Harris. I'm a kindergarten teacher and I'm also a forest therapy guide. Um, a lot of being in nature is definitely trying to get some memory of either having a disconnection from it and or a written record of it. So I'm all about using um, any medium in, in hand to help facilitate that. So this fall, especially with so much rich richness in New England, I'm in Boston with Chaya and the others. Um, it's kind of cool to think about nature journaling, both with my kindergarten class and with adults. We put assumptions that, you know, kids are the ones who need to learn everything, but 
adults, we, we sometimes forget the richness that exploring nature can bring. So I think nature journaling is an excellent accessory to that process. I look forward to learning some tips. I'm just gonna jump in. Um, hi everyone, my name is Leandra Taylor. Um, I am calling in from Asheville, North Carolina, which is the land of the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Indians. I'm so excited to be here today. Um, and my write out activity that I aspire to do this week is to go outside and make a zine. I saw that earlier and it looks really fun and creative. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, and as everyone mentioned, uh, we are, I'm here as an outdoor Afro leader. This year is my fifth year as an outdoor Afro leader. And it's just been such a transformative space in my life. Um, and Outdoor Afro is a national nonprofit um, that celebrates and inspires Black connections and leadership in nature. And this has just been a space that I feel like I have grown in so much. And I'm really excited to be here to share more about nature journaling, what it entails, and who all should be doing it, right? Um, so with that, I think I'm going to jump right into it. I'm going to share my screen. It's a lot of pressure when you share your screen. You're like, how many tabs are open? Okay, I think we got it. Um, and then we're gonna go from slide one. Don't peek, don't peek at my slides. So like I said, this session is going to be about nature journaling. Um, so a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Leandra, I use she, her pronouns. I'm an artist, an environmental scientist, a storyteller. I love telling stories and looking for new stories to tell. Um, I'm a mountaineer. I had the pleasure and honor of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro with some of my other volunteer outdoor Afro leaders, including Chaya Harris here. Um, and that for me was just a pivotal moment in my life and really helped me realize, honestly, how much of art played into that and, and how I want to keep incorporating it. Um, I also identify as an educator. I love doing environmental education, doing outreach with people and families and friends and all those things. So constantly in a space of learning and, and creating and educating. Um, and like I said, this is my fifth year as an outdoor Afro leader. So what is nature journaling? Um, nature journaling is, a nature journal is a space to keep all of your observations, your thoughts, your questions about nature, in nature and with nature. Um, in full disclosure, this is something that I discovered maybe a year or two ago. So I wouldn't say I'm an expert or I've been doing it for a really long time. It's just something that I love to do and I've been learning to do it. And I'm excited to share that learning process with you guys. Um, and so one of my favorite things about nature journaling is I just really feel like it's a chance to explore and to seek out moments of discovery in nature um, while also kind of keeping a daily log. You know, it turns into a, a journal of what you've been doing. You can keep tickets, you can keep artifacts and little, you know, snippets of your day in there to really, I don't know, remember and learn. So um, when I think about who should be nature journaling, I think, it is a, a tool for um, discovery. So it makes me think of scientists. And as a scientist, I believe everyone is a scientist. We're always learning. We're always making discoveries. We're always making observations, whether or not we stay in science, we are in science. Um, and in terms of art, I feel like you can be as artsy as you want to with your nature journal, but you, it can also just be a space that you write. Maybe it's all words, maybe it's all pictures. It could be things that you found and taped in. It actually doesn't have to have any words or, or things in there like that. So no pressure to feel like you have to have this official 
nature journal bound from back and front and like official way to use it. This is your tool for observation and discovery in nature. And this is your time to define what it is that you wanna discover. So with that being said, let's make a nature journal. So I'm excited about this. I grabbed some stuff from around the house. So I'm gonna show you what I grabbed and feel free to add to it or, you know, maybe not. So first things first, you're gonna need paper, something to write with. Um, so I chose printer paper because I have this around the house. I also have graph paper because I like that it has the boxes and it can create, you know, different types of observations. You can use printer paper, watercolor paper. I actually like to be greedy and mix it all up. So that way, when I feel like using watercolor, I can. And when I feel like using graph paper, I can. And then you can kind of bind it up how you want and staple it. So, um, after you've got your paper, I'm going to show you what we're doing with the paper first and then I'll continue on our list. So very simple. I think we've all made the like fold in half book, right? So you can do hamburger or hot dog, choose your style. It's up to you, your choice, user's choice. Oh, I also want to mention that you can use a pre-made journal. So I have this one. Um, I bought this one. It came in a pack of three. And I, I've been using this one for the past couple of weeks and making observations, but today I'm gonna take some time and create one alongside you guys. But I definitely encourage you, if you find a cute journal and you wanna make that your journal, do that too. Um, for today, we'll be making them. So after your paper is folded in half, if you're feeling fancy, you can staple it. If you're feeling extra fancy, you can hole punch it and tie some string in there, or you can just leave it folded. Um, and so what else we'll need for this is a writing utensil. So pencil or pen, um, definitely get, you can get creative and put some colored pencils, watercolor, any sort of thing that you want to write or document with. So as long as we've got those things, we're actually ready to nature journal right now. Um, bonus items, if you're feeling like, you know, you're going out to do a specific type of observations. Sometimes I bring my binoculars with me. I am an avid bird watcher and I love to just, you know, kind of stalk the birds, right? So that's one of my scientific tools. I also have my Sibley bird guide that I bring with me. This is another science tool that you can use to help you define what it is that you're looking at in your nature journal. Um, and then, I also have two books that I picked up that have been helping me learn. So this one is um, Peggy Dean's Guide to Nature Drawing and Watercolor. Um, and I'll be sure to send these over so you guys have the names of these as well. And then also the Law's Guide to Nature Journaling, to Nature Drawing and Journaling. So I think these are both um, have a good you know, introduction, but also show you different techniques that you can be using. So now that we've got our tools, we're gonna fold our paper in half and spend some time decorating. You guys mind if I put on like a little bit of music while we get creative? And so I've been feeling inspired to, you know, have some nature sounds, nature music. So I looked for songs that have that uh, feel. Hold on. Now I'm scared to share again. I'm gonna stop sharing. Um, so I'm gonna grab our music. You guys grab your supplies. Don't be shy, get started. Um, and I will get our first song. And I gotta share my share my audio in a specific way, I think. Okay. Okay, let me know if this works. Let me turn it down. 
Okay, okay. So we're gonna take this time right now and we're just gonna decorate our journal. So I'm thinking I'm gonna put my name, I'll put the date, we draw some flowers. So we're just gonna spend a couple minutes on this. Decorating. One day, you'll understand.
sure what the balance held. I touched my belly overwhelmed by what I had been chosen to perform. But then an angel came one day, told me to kneel down and pray, for unto me a man child would be born. Oh, this crazy circumstance. We're going to start putting some of our finishing details on our cover. I hope you're feeling inspired. Look at your career, they said. Lauren, baby, use your head. But instead, I chose to use my heart. Now the joy of my world is inside. Thumbs up if you're ready to make some observations. I still have to perfect my masterpiece, but that's good. I listen. So I was, <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking, I'm doing something right. If you want to come back a few later, so I hope you started something that you want to come back to later because this is your new project. Um, does anybody want to share what they what they decided to to draw or to put on their cover? I'll go first because I feel like I, you know, just feel really exposed. But this is my journal, Lee's journal of the day. I got fancy and put stickers on mine. So um yeah, I'm going to once we flip to the next page and we start the next page, I'll show you how we're gonna make our observations. But if anyone else wants to share, I'd love to see them. Yes. I'd love to share my uh i don't know if you could see it I, I just give a border at the top of mine and i'm just yeah. excited to be here journaling with you all and i just it's 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 windy a little bit you know it's that fall windiness so i'm trying to have these trees have some wind to it I'm and then in the, in the distance here way in the back there's this mountain and i'm i'm hearkening that kilimanjaro hike i gotta be honest with you i was watching you on facebook and i i you're like celebrities to me right now first of all for going uh, up there at all right but summoning it the way you did so that that's me just standing way in the background admiring oh thank you Rick. that's so cool listen the leaves blowing off the tree is 
It's a nice touch. Like I really see what you did there. Um, and yeah, I, I hope that one day you feel inspired to climb Mount Kilimanjaro also. Um, I feel like my biggest lesson, if I had to share my takeaway, was that the summit is not always the top. Mm. So, um, and what, you know, whatever that means, like we reached the literal summit, but I feel like some of us summited before that. Um, and that is, yeah. So thank you for sharing, Rich. I really love your cover. Um, so I'm going to get back to my presentation and then we'll kind of make some quick notes. Um, yeah, okay. I'm on advanced sharing and now I, okay. Screen. Are we back to the presentation? Yeah. yeah. Well, I was really nervous. It wasn't going to go there. Um, on my current slide. So now that we've got our nature journals, I want to talk a little bit about making observations. I've done nature journaling with um, um, groups of kids and adults, and it's it's really entertaining with both groups. And so one of my first ways that I like to get people warmed up is to use our senses. And so, you know, if we're actually outside, um, we can go find a spot. If we're on a hike, we can find somewhere that we can sit and be quiet. Um, and I like to take participants, whether they are students or adults, through our senses. So the first one being, you know, what do we hear if we sit really still and we're quiet and we use our closed mouths? Um, and you can usually hear the birds, the wind, nothing. Maybe you hear airplanes and you can make observations around, is it more natural sounds or is it human sounds that we're hearing? And why do you think we're hearing more human sounds? And then you go down all those rabbit holes, right? Um, and then you have them open or, or close their eyes now. So I just, I just did the hearing. Vision, what are you seeing? I feel like I'm missing me. Okay, so when you do hearing, you close your eyes. That's what it is. And then you open your eyes and you do seeing. Um, and then um, as we're talking about using touch and other things, I really like to remind students and participants of the leave no trace principles. Um, and, you know, just being mindful of like not ripping leaves off the trees, try to use things that are already on the ground um, and leave them there for later because nature needs all of its pieces. So, you know, we're, we're one of my main reasons that I use nature journaling is because you don't have to take the item. You can sit and you can draw a leaf and you can make it as detailed as possible. I'm going to use my example notebook. Um, I actually had on a field trip, some, some students asked me, what, what is that plant? And I didn't know it at the time. Um, one of my favorite um, infield tools is the Seek app and you can take pictures of things and it identifies the plant or animal that you're looking at. Um, and I like to use that, but if you're somewhere that doesn't have signal or technology, it's really fun to challenge yourself to draw that thing and make as many observations as you can so you can try to figure out what it is later. So some of the things that I, I realized about this leaf is that it had five leaves. It looked like poison ivy. We were wondering if it was. So I, of course, told the students we're not gonna be touching it. Um, and then after I made all these observations, I went home and learned that it is a Virginia creeper, which is similar in appearance to poison ivy. And so it became this really um, cool learning moment for me. My students were teaching me these plants. I'm new to the East Coast. So I was really trying to make sure I know what I'm talking about, right? Um, and so, yeah, those are ways that you can use your senses and really get I don't know, the creative juice is flowing, right? 
Um, another great exercise that I saw in one of the books is that you can make themed observations. So you can say, I want to go out into nature today and find as many yellow things as I can, or as many orange things, or things that are round. It doesn't have to be a color. It can just be a category. It can be different ways that you want to challenge yourself or your students to make observations. Um, and as you're making them, I challenge you to do things that feel natural and unnatural. So if you naturally want to write your observations, write them all out and then do a quick sketch and challenge yourself um, and really push yourself to not be too perfect. I know sometimes we really get on the I'm not an artist thing, but it's for you and it's for your learning. So as long as you know what it is, you're doing the right thing. Um, so I think that's everything I wanted to touch on for making observations. And I had some sample photos since we don't have the pleasure of being in person. Um, I have some of my favorite photos that I've been collecting over the past couple months. And I wanted to take some time to just make some quick observations. So when I start my nature journaling pages, the, thing, the only thing that I really like to keep consistent for myself um, is I like to write down the date, the place, and the time and the weather. And that's because I'm a nature nerd and I wanna know all the factors that went into that day. Was it cloudy? Was it sunny? How does that impact the vegetation? I like to know what day I went out and saw those things. So when I come back later, I can say it's a seasonal change or I can note whatever it was in the environment that made that thing different. So I have some of my favorite pictures here and I thought we could just take a quick practice run um, of looking at some of these nature goodies that I found. Um, and I, I'm open to doing these together or we can kind of take a couple minutes in our journal and maybe pick a photo that you feel inspired by and we can share what we observed. I was just noting down in my journal the date and time because I think that's a lovely idea. So yeah. I think um, it creates a level of consistency too for students to yeah and you said the weather too right I put the, yes the date the time the weather um let me make sure those are all right and in the location so you know uh, where you okay. and, and I bet you that's what's cool about that too is like if you go back to if you do this a couple times having that little bit like weather Right. You can remember like, oh yeah, that was that day, you know, like that was, right. he, he, when I take students outside, sometimes like that was the day he took us out there. That was, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe yeah. he took us out there that time. For sure. And I also love that when you come back day after day, so this is one of my um, journals that I did of a pokeberry. And I made some observations about it and it, somebody had cut, one of my neighbors cut down one of their bushes. So I took a piece off of it and I washed it decay and age so it's much less vibrant than it was when I drew it and I know because I noted the color of the vines the color of the berries and then I can start making observations about like how do these age and what are the factors that went into it so don't let me nerd out but yes those are ways <laughs> to make observations um and yeah so I have a couple pictures here um, and let's just run through them together and I'll just share what it is that caught my eye so in the top right 
this is an orb spider. I was actually, I found this, this um, monarch butterfly caterpillar a few days prior. Um, and I found it um, in its chrysalis near this spider layer. So I was taking a picture of it and I backed away and didn't realize that there was an orb spider next to me. But I love that it has this really interesting zipper web. This was how I identified it. And I only know these spiders from a couple of nature shows. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's gotta be an orb spider because of the zipper. Um, and when I went home and looked it up, I was correct. So I, I thought that was really cool. It's always cool when you find um, in-field moments to apply things that you didn't know you knew, right? Um, so this one right here, this is some sort of pea plant that I found on an outdoor Afro nature journaling event. I had a participant that came back um, that was a forager. And so she was sharing that she had noticed the seed pods here. She made observations about how the leaves were growing and it had all these different flowers growing from the same plant that were different color. It was just, it was such a beautiful plant that I've, I've never noticed. And I've been on this path multiple times. Um, and that's what I love about nature journaling is that it makes you slow down and look at the, the smaller details. So um, I also, on a different field trip, found a cute little caterpillar. I think it's also worth noting this leaf is an arrow shape. Like those types of things, it's just cool to know. It's just cool to note it. Um, I think this is a turkey tail fungus. I think that's right. Yeah, I okay, just saw cool. in the summer, yep. Um, yeah, so I saw this. A lot of these were just on my neighborhood walks. That's when I get my dose, daily dose of nature is to just take a quick break during work and make some observations about things that I'm seeing around me. Um, and this one, I, I haven't figured out what it is. I just saw it the other day this weekend. And so I'm going to figure out what it is. I'm going to assume it's some sort of lantern because it looks like one. And usually nature names are named after what they look like. Um, so yeah, I, I these are some photos that I thought would be a great way to just kind of practice making general observations about color, but also the place and maybe environmental factors that you think are relevant. Um, but also just leaving it open up for people to take note of what they want. Maybe they just want to write a poem about a mushroom and that's how they remembered it. So um, I try not to put too many limitations on what observations can be because it's your observation to make. That arrow in the leaf is just like amazing. That's the kind of thing right? I think that like captures a kid's imagination. Like what, what are the odds that a leaf looks so much like yes. an arrow or like it's like an emoji. Yes. And so a fun fact about this hike, I had taken out a, a, a group of students and it was kind of rainy that day. So, you know, they're kind of like, Bleh. and then we see this caterpillar and it just changes the whole day because now there's a group of us just looking at this little inky and then we want to um, save it off the trail. So one of the students ended up relocating it so it didn't get smashed and it turned into a mushroom hunt, a caterpillar hunt. Like it just turned into such a fun hike from this one um, little caterpillar on this cute little leaf. So, um, and by the end of it, I had uh, one girl that said, this was my favorite part of the whole day that we went on a hike. So I took that as a win because she didn't really want to go when we started. <laughs> as a park ranger, I know how big that is, Leandra. So yes, it's really cool when you can yes. turn that around. That's Absolutely. Awesome. That's she came nice up to compliment. me afterwards and she's <laughs> like, I found my new bestie. And I was like, what? <laughs> Anyway. You know, it's cool about using that caterpillar example um, that they're all about the metamorphosis, right? So you yes. have children whose mood was changed by something that changes drastically. I Ooh. love it. I just got chilled when you said that. I hadn't even thought about that. But that transformation, right? Like over one hike, it turned into this, this place of discovery and 
we were just all being scientists and it, it was really cool to see them, you know, excited to write about it, excited to find the next one. Miss Leandra, use your Seek app and figure out what this one is. So it turned into a really cool day. Um, Love it. And this is that same day. So in the top left, these are some of those students that, that were finding every single mushroom they could find because we wanted to figure out what they were. Um, and we talked about leave no trace. So we talked about like, how do you interact with things without making an impact to them on them or damaging them? The bottom left um, is a different field trip of nature journals, but these young ladies were just making observations about the landscape we were on. And this student right here actually used a technique to, um, she traced around the leaf after putting it under the page and also pressed it and like drew on it with a crayon, which I hadn't thought of. And that's actually like my technique now for doing leaves is that I put them under the page and color on it. Um, and I told her I would always give her credit for that method uh, because it was so cool to watch her do it and discover that method for herself. Um, and these pictures here on the right are, are of a recent outdoor Afro event that I did. And I wasn't sure how this was gonna work with adults. Like if I didn't have to walk everyone through the activities, how would it, how would it function? Um, and I did a basic intro and then just said, let's make observations. And it turned into this really fun day of everyone kind of meeting and connecting and making new friends. And we talked about doing weekly nature journaling events after this. Um, and it was just really cool to kind of watch people bond. And I don't think I've ever had an event that I was like, I don't, I have to stop this or we'll be here all day. Um, so eventually I had to step in and say like, hey, we're at our two hour mark. Um, so yeah, when you're, when you're in the field with groups, I like to, to keep everyone together, especially um, kids, but also kind of create that space um, for observations. I like to give boundaries, you know, don't go past that tree and past this thing, but feel free to explore in between. Um, and of course, with adults, you can use your discretion as needed. And then I have a couple of resources that I use um, for nature journaling. The North American Association for Environmental Education has a really great page about nature journaling and lots of different links to resources. So I can make sure um, to send that link out as well. Um, and then the other website um, that goes along with this book that I used um, about nature journaling is another really great resource. And I, there's an entire network and um, conference around nature journaling. So I really encourage everyone to dig in and, and enjoy, explore. And with that, with our quick introduction to nature journaling, thank you guys for sticking with me through this, um, making nature journals. I'm so excited to continue to use them later. Um, and I'm even more excited to hear, oh my gosh, Christina, that was fantastic. I did the hot dog bowl just to challenge myself. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It looks so good. Uh, and I'm even more excited right now to hear from Alana how she incorporates history and the landscape in her nature journaling. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. Awesome, thank you so much, Leandra, that was, it's really exciting to be able to craft a, a nature journal and you know I was always that kid who never knew when the art project was done so yeah right I'm gonna keep adding never stuff <laughs> and adding stuff um, yeah. so I absolutely love that and um, you know you really hit on it with how important it is in nature journaling to you know it helps us to slow down really notice those details um, and, and really appreciate the, those little things uh, and so now we're going to move into kind of noticing our surroundings, connecting with our surroundings in a, like a slightly different way through space and time. And that's with historically inspired journaling. Uh, and so I'm going to share a few examples that come from my park. And uh, we're going to kind of see what comes up. 
Um, so as I mentioned before, I am based here in the Presidio of San Francisco, and it is such a full and rich place to be learning about history and to be teaching about history. And we do place-based programs. So we really look at the stories of people who have come before us, and we tie those stories to specific sites within the park. And so I'm going to start by showing some photos. All right. Um, so ooh, let's see. Probably seeing my really busy uh, desktop. All right. All right, so one of the stories that we tell at my park is of the Buffalo Soldiers. So the Buffalo Soldiers were um, Black Americans who served in the military and they were based here in the Presidio. They lived and worked in the Presidio and they were also among the very first park rangers. So that's there's a lot of reasons to be interested in this story and excited. And um, so here I'm showing a photo of the Presidio stables. So that's one of the places that we use in the park that's connected to the Buffalo Soldiers. And also here to the right, we have a historical photo from 1914 of a Buffalo Soldier on his horse. And so another site that we talk about related to the Buffalo Soldiers is the cemetery. And so this is the uh, San Francisco National Cemetery and there's over 400 Buffalo Soldiers that are buried here. And so um, in this photo, we can see, you know, rows of white tombstones in the background, we have trees and the bay and the Golden Gate Bridge. And so these two places, um, the, the uh, stables and the cemetery are both places where you can really feel connected to the story of the Buffalo Soldiers. And, um, you know, we, we do programs out at these two locations. You know, one time I did a program here at the outside the stables and I set up easels and I put up you know, photographs and quotations and had folks really reflecting on the experiences of the Buffalo Soldiers. And so writing can really come from a lot of different places, a lot of different inspirations when we're talking about history. Um, you know, folks can respond to how they feel being in these sites while learning about the experiences of the Buffalo Soldiers. And we also always pair um, being in these sites with different primary sources. So we use photographs, we use letters, um, we use newspaper articles. And so folks can also respond to some of the struggles that the Buffalo Soldiers were going through, um, some of the dilemmas that were coming up. And so that can be a powerful way to connect. Um, the Buffalo Soldiers have really inspired all kinds of different art forms, you know, paintings and poetry, books, films, uh, and songs, of course. And so it's a uh, there's, there's really a lot to, to kind of dive into with writing using um, different figures like this as inspiration. All right. And so I also want to share um, kind of another site real quick. Um, oh, and also before earlier, I wanted to mention, so Benny did, um, Benny was talking about some inference and that's something we're really big into 
into inquiry and making inferences. So we always love uh, encouraging folks to look around and see what little things they notice. And uh, you know, we don't just tell people the answers or tell people what we want them to think, um, but it's about kind of observing and kind of really kind of figuring it out. What little detail do you notice in this photograph? Um, and that's something that we do with all ages. It's great for you know young children um, to jump into some of this history by using you know a photograph um, that's tied to this site that they're in, and that kind of helps them to to really connect with the material. So the next place that I wanna share with everyone, I'm not gonna really give a whole lot of context uh, to start with because when I first saw this place, I didn't really know anything about it. And it was, my imagination kind of ran wild and was just firing off with like curiosity, trying to figure out what was this place and really putting it together. So I'm gonna kind of let you look at it, see what you notice. Um, and I'll just kind of describe uh, the photos that I'm sharing. All right, so we are at a place in the park and it's a cliff top that is overlooking, overlooking the ocean and it's overlooking um, the city of San Francisco. Uh, so here I have three photos uh, right at the entrance of this site. Uh, there are two statues, these old weathered statues of lions that are kind of guarding the entrance. And there's this path that unfurls in front of you with all these palm trees and um, different types of trees uh, lining the entrance. And as you walk forward a little bit, you notice uh, a lot of statues. There are some statues, most of them are crumbling uh, and there's roses, kind of remnants of rose gardens throughout this place. And there's also a, a large bird bath and there's two ravens kind of sitting in it right there. And then as you keep walking around, you look over and you see kind of what almost looks like a castle-like structure. It's got these terraces. There is a, a bunch of plants that are, are growing, uh, coming up out of those terraces, a little stone path. And I'll say this picture and the next picture are what inspired me for um, to write a poem. And uh, that was from that prompt that I was speaking of at the beginning, the you know contrasting worlds. Uh, just kind of looking at how nature and kind of human features, human artifacts interact. Um, so this tree here, this uh, Monterey Cypress is growing at the top of um, kind of that castle foundation that we just saw. And uh, so it's kind of neat to see. I always love watching, you know, seeing like old ruins and, and sites where um, nature kind of kind of comes back and you can see them intertwined together. Um, so that's a that's a cool thing that you can you can put down in your journals. Was this, um, was it particularly foggy this day? I feel like I'm getting a lot of fog. So <laughs> that's funny you asked that. So, so these pictures were not all taken on the same day because <laughs> you never get, you never know what you're going to get with San Francisco. It's Absolutely. like, you know, one day will be gorgeous and pretty and the next day you can't even take pictures because there's too much fog. So this was when the fog was just starting to roll in. So you can kind of see it coming through, but it's amazing how fast it changes. So that is a good question. I was like, I wonder if people are going to notice these are like totally different looking days. <laughs> So yes, um, so this is up at the top. And then if you kind of look over the edge off to one of the sides, you look down and you see um, what looks like a, a pool. 
Um, and these are kind of at the base of the cliffs right by the ocean. And there's some like concrete structures that are rimming this. And here's another view of that. So you can see really see the cliffs uh, and part, parts of that pool and some more of those ruins. So I'm gonna you know, share what these places are. So um, this area with the large pool, this is what we call Sutro Baths. Um, the ruins of Sutro Baths, this is what it used to look like. So it was a massive bathing complex um, with a bunch of different pools. They had freshwater pools, saltwater pools, you know, trapezes and water slides and all kinds of things in this building. Uh, and so it was a site of you know, leisure and enjoyment for people. Um, but it was also a site that represented struggle because this was uh, a place where there was a really early civil rights case where um, John Harris was a black man who sued for discrimination in the late 1800s in San Francisco, which is one of the earlier civil, civil rights cases that I've ever heard of. Um, so you can you know, look at the surroundings and what it looks like now, and then you can kind of reflect on you know, what did this site represent? What kind of meaning is tied to this site? Uh, and then those earlier photos, here's a, I always love looking at the, the old historical photos and then the current photos. And I love your face, Leandra, that's like totally my face too. Um, and, you know, just seeing, this is from the late 1800s and just seeing what elements of a landscape survived, uh, what it looks like today compared to what it looked like then. Um, so, you know, I didn't want to put like 50 photos in here, but there's a lot of really cool stuff. So I encourage you to look it up. So this is from the, the Sutro Heights Park. Um, and it was a, a park that was open to the public. And this is also where um, uh, Adolf Sutro built his home. And so there's all kinds of history and things you can look up to, to hear more about that. But um, I, I really enjoy this whole area, this whole site, just because of that first time when I looked and I was like, whoa, these, these lions and these, all these statues, these roses, it was just so magical. Uh, and so I will, let's see, leave y'all with a few prompts to kind of think about um, for when you wanna do some historical journaling. And, you know, I'll say that, uh, I mean, it's a lot like exactly what Leandra was talking about with the nature journaling, where you're looking at those little details, you're looking at architectural features, uh, you know, historical landscapes. So like how people have crafted landscapes, um, you know, where they decided to put what type of trees, you know, all those decisions really tell us about uh, the lives of people that have come before us. Uh, and, and it's a lot that we can, we can reflect on in that interface between, you know, nature and um, human ruins, uh, you know, human buildings. That's, uh, there's a lot to be inspired by there. So I'm gonna share these prompts that I put together. Uh, so describe a time you felt deeply connected to history through a place. So that's how I felt uh, visiting, you know, Sutro Heights, the Sutro Bass area. Uh, and the second one, imagine a scene from the past using a historical landscape as your setting or inspiration. So, you know, it could be a, just a piece of a place that you're in. It could be a building. It could be a brick. It could be a little flourish on, you know, above a door. It could be anything that can inspire you to, to think about, you know, some kind of greater scene. Uh, and then respond to a historical event by writing a letter or a poem. And this is something that we use for, um, for programs with Buffalo Soldiers, particularly one of my, my coworkers, Ranger Hector, um, you know, has students write letters to a Buffalo Soldier. Uh, you know, you can also respond by poetry, you know, and I've never considered myself a poet, so nobody's more surprised than me that I 
wrote out a poem inspired by this site because uh, I'm not really into like structure and order. I was like, what's that? I had to, I was Googling what, what is a, you know, what is a, I don't even know what the word is verses stanzas you know what i'm talking about so but you know i just threw it together and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you're just being creative and you're having fun um yeah and i think that's that's kind of kind of about it and i really would love to hear how folks think they might use you know history as inspirations for their journaling or if you want to share anything about about what you'd like to use for your journaling i don't know who i'm turning it over to next but thanks for listening I, I can share that I just really loved the way that you presented the different um, images that could help trigger our imaginations about what that could have possibly been. I was thinking like, oh, those look like the lines in front of the New York Public Library. So I wonder if like that's someone's, that's like, like a special, it almost felt like an exclusive place that wouldn't allow people in. So I felt like my mind was going in all these places. So I loved the idea of that activity not only for the writing that happens with educators that I definitely do, but also just with, with younger people, just um, kind of unlocking a mystery inquiry-based and just really being able to inspire different kinds of writing um, and connection that way. So it just made me feel really inspired to be able to try something similar in the history that is so prevalent in the area where I live. And also just thinking about the ways that that type of prompt can really bring people um, together and into the writing process. So I just really appreciate that so much. Nice, thank you, Dominique. That's, I appreciate, appreciate you. So I, I, um, it's great to hear that. And I hope you do get out there and, and, and try that out. And, you know, I actually haven't brought a, a group of students or youth out to um, that area. And I've been wanting to, really wanting to, of course, it hasn't been possible lately, but uh, it will be cool to see kind of how their imagination goes off and what they think was used to be here. So yeah, thanks. And I've been to San Francisco several times, so I'm hoping to try to see that next time I go. So I wrote yes. everything down. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hidden. It's like way on the edge of the city. So yeah, it's, it'd be cool to, yeah, I got to seek it out. <laughs> Thank you, Alana. I'm excited. I want to write a short story inspired by a historical landscape. I think connecting to history in that way would be really interesting. Like, right, I love that you showed us those photos, even the, the backside of the castle with the flat. Like, my imagination was like, oh, this place is, this is a fairy landscape. Um, but then also being able to, like, look it up and learn what it really is and what the true meaning of it is. That, that was really cool. So I'm excited to explore more of that. I just, um, I was connecting between um, the nature journaling and what uh, Lana was sharing in that one picture where all the plants were growing on the, um, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the stone structure that still exists, right? And I was thinking, oh, and so, and, and the remnants of the roses too. I was thinking about, oh, right. These are like things that people planted deliberately in a certain space and now are like taking over however they want to or doing whatever they want, right? But, but they show the existence of a garden or they show the existence of, and that's so interesting mixed with the sort of, you know, I don't know how many of those, that made me think like how many of those trees are native and, you know, like just really the intersections 
um, like you were saying a lot of the intersection between the, the, na the natural world and our human built world. And then what happens in the ruins of that, you know, so. Yeah, thanks, Christina. Uh, for sure, it's interesting with the whole native, non-native, that's, yeah, we're always thinking about up the parks. Um, and with a park service, we do preserve historical landscapes. So, you know, in the Presidio, there's a eucalyptus everywhere. It's taken over, um, but that's technically historical landscape. That's all, you know, planted, um, you know, historically. And, you know, so we try to kind of make, have the balance between, you know, we want to get rid of harmful invasives, but, you know, at the same time, you know, some of these, these trees have historical significance, you know, especially the rose gardens, the roses planted all over the place. Um, and yeah, they have significance and we do have it. They're not just growing there on their own. We do have, you know, gardeners there that are there to kind of preserve, um, you know, some semblance of the gardens um, that were there. But yeah, it's always tough kind of balancing those, those two things. I'm thinking about how, uh, I'm just going to spit it out. I got, a, I got a bunch of things just flying in my head. I'm just going to, I'm going to throw it out there like a Jackson Pollock. Here it goes. Ready? Here it comes. So I'm thinking about Tasha when she was talking about the caterpillar um, from Leandra's painting or uh, the pictures. And I was thinking of, you know, like how I, I wrote in the chat, just how I think, you know, this idea of paying attention to change is really important. And uh, in my curriculum and stuff, I really want to bring that as like a, a focal unit um, to things. And then I was, uh, you know, looking at that picture of the, um, the, the lions, you know, today and then in the past. And it just, you know, when I saw those lines, I'm like, oh, that's the lions, you know? And then you're saying this is from the 19th you know, 1900s or 1800s. And I'm, I'm, that whole idea of change and landscape, I, I think it's really important that like we expose change to students in different ways. And, you know, I'm also thinking like, uh, it's hitting me, Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower, right? Right, right. And like that whole, that's a whole new religion change, right? And, you know, it's, it's something that makes me think about, you know, I think a lot about climate change and, and what's coming and climate change, fire tornadoes, right? And it, it makes me think too, like um, it, it, even Leander, the way you were talking about like the, the way those, um, those purple berries changed and, and you had thought about what they were both now and later and, and how they died, like all these examples of change, right? And there's so much you could do with students, like even thinking to how, ask students like, what, what will change? What will they look at hundred years from now at us? You know, that's gonna be here and hopefully it's a good story, right? Um, so anyway, I'm, just this idea of change, I think it's so important. And I think like, I'm, I'm seeing that thread line, I don't know. I love that you were just talking about Octavia Butler because I was just thinking that I was I finally um, read Parable of the Sower this summer and loved it, loved it. Um, and yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, change is it's the most constant thing that we have. So I think it's great. It ties to resilience, which we all know is so important from the past couple of years. So uh, yeah, I love that theme. Thanks, thanks, Rich. Yeah, just to build, just to quickly build on uh, Rich's thoughts, and thanks for sharing all that, Alana. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Zoe Polk in the Bay Area, who did a lot of work with um, the National Park Service team to help bring light um, to the, the civil rights case and acknowledge that, you know, the segregated past and make sure that that had some visual, visual representation at the site. So want to, you know, put that in there. And also looking at your photos, I was thinking back to the, the theme of portals 
and how the change that we're talking about is also taking on a different perspective. Um, so it's like that physical physicality of going through a portal, but it's also taking on a different perspective and building empathy. And that's something that's so important as we have our elder experiences and um, just something else that we can reflect on in a way that we can connect with each other. I just want to add to that um, what Dominique said earlier in her observation about the lions representing something, something that's exclusive. And that's also very, uh, uh, you know, that's um, um, pinpoints the, uh, uh, the, the Harris case, you know, those lions represent an exclusive place when not all those spaces invited everyone. So, uh, and, uh, and, that, and that's an observation. And you had that observation from your knowledge of the, of the, uh, of the New York Library. And students also come with knowledge that they may know something about something and they connect that with something too. So I, I really appreciate it, that, that connection. And also you mentioned, uh, you know, unlocking, it just so happens that one of our, our high school program for Alcatraz is unlocking Alcatraz and kind of unlocking, unlocking stories from the past. Should I go? Should I jump in? Go for it, Tasha. Um, so I really appreciate this idea of having children with journals in their hands from a, from a young age. But as I said in, in the beginning, I think sometimes really working with adults um, is also key because we bury stuff, we forget. So it's a, I'm thinking this is a great parent and child event where they can build almost off of each other's experience and maybe adding one line, like if it's a strained relationship or even a happy one, you can add the time, date, place, weather, but also your mood. You got mother's na mother nature's mood, put your own mood and see if there's a correlation between how you're feeling and what you're observing. And if does that change over time? The power of change, there's that word again, change <laughs> the power of change though that's a it just seems like a beautiful way to document it and journey with your child absolutely i love the idea of putting your mood on there and really seeing like you and don't notice when you're in a good or bad mood or sometimes i just go to nature to cry like is that a time when i should be journaling and really thinking about what i'm observing and and i definitely think that it is a definitely a family friendly event because your adult mind might observe things differently than a child or what's the overlap you know like i feel like some of us never grow up <laughs> yeah you know when i'm outside with students i feel like you know there's always like i'll go out you can go out like three days in a row and like you were, we were just talking about how in San Francisco, you know, the, the weather changes. And the thing is, that's the thing. There's always something new to see out there and it, that it keeps it fresh. It, it, you know, there's always something out there that's going to surprise them, you know, and it's if, as you get them to be more observant in, for example, nature journaling, they find more stuff, you know, like they learn to really find more stuff. There's always something to find, you know, just pick over, turn a rock over and find something. And there it's, you know, there's, there's always something to discover out there. So it's such a great resource, you know? 
I do love those, um, that intergenerational idea too. I think that's so powerful. And um, before we started the show, I was saying that with my niece and nephew, I actually just brought some paper and pens and, and crayons actually. So we could do leaf rubbings um, out to a garden that we were visiting. And it was just this really magical time. They really gravitated towards you know, using the paper and the materials and, and creating and making while we were out there. So that was really magical for me. And I do feel like that we do bury things, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it starts to, um, I, I could feel my own sense of just calm, you know, returning um, after kind of crazily getting out to this garden and like, you know, like all the, you know, making sure we were, not missing each other when we got there and everything. And, and then we just sat and it was really, it was lovely. So maybe just some final thoughts um, as we start to wrap up the show. It's, I, I'm so excited about my journal. Um, so that's one of my final thoughts. And, um, uh, and tomorrow is National Day on Writing. So we're, uh, or Wednesday, I'm sorry, is National Day on Writing. And um, if you're connecting with us via chat, um, it'll, it'll be Tuesday night. So the next day is National Day on Writing. And um, uh, so I'm hoping to, to use this um, on that day and really sort of think about, um, start it then, you know, use it as like an official start point for myself, so. Thank you. Yeah, Christina, I'm thinking I'm going to do the same. Um, I'm really inspired by the, the creative story from um, a historical place or a historical building. I'm thinking I might just find a building in Asheville and, and write a creative story, but then also, you know, figure out what the history of that place was. Um, and that'll be in addition to my, my nature journaling. So I'm you guys, I'm, thank you guys. I'm so pumped about this. I'm feeling really jazzed. If it wasn't the middle of the night, I'd go outside and start nature journaling right now. Maybe I'll do my house plants. I just have to say, like, as someone who has been a fan of both national parks and outdoor Afro, like, I have been watching, it's so, I gotta be honest, I've been watching the outdoor Afro on Facebook and forever, and it's, you know, when you look at people through internet, it's, like, not the same thing as talking to someone, and I'm, like, one of these days I have to talk to somebody who's, who is, like, with outdoor Afro, so I am, I feel like I, like I really meant it when I said, like, I'm with celebrities right now, you know, and, and I'm truly, truly humbled to be here. And I'm going to show my students like these, like I took some screenshots. I'm going to say, well, look who I was hanging out with last night online. And a lot of like the fact that I showed them the video of you already, and it was like so well produced. I'm like, look, I was hanging out with her too. Like, I, so thank you. I'm going to be the cool teacher just a little bit. I need all the help I can get. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rich. That's such a compliment. And I, I definitely echo what you're saying about working with Outdoor Afro. I'm really excited because I haven't yet. And this is my first time. So I'm really excited to be joining in on this. So thank you for wanting to collaborate. And uh, yeah, and I'm really thrilled to, to keep on writing because I've always really enjoyed writing, but I have often felt that kind of creative creativity block where that I feel like I lost my creativity as a child and now I'm too scared to write a poem. I'm like, 
what is that about? So, you know, I'm, I'm in it now. I'm ready to get back in it and keep on going. And I hope y'all will come along with me and do that. So, yeah, thanks. I feel the same way as you, Alana. I mean, I made my little journal. Um, I'm ready to, to get going. And I'm thinking about, you know, making journals with my students. Um, but also, you know, I, I try to carve out time to, to walk, to be in as much nature as I can in the city. And that's something that I've really committed myself to um, just by myself or listening to like Girl Trek podcasts um, over the past few years. And so now I'm thinking about that walking piece, but also where do I stop um, and um, how I can just build that into my, into my practice um, just a little bit more. And I, there's a tree that I always take a look at when I walk to, to school. There's one tree that for years I peek at every day and I notice when one leaf changes, um, but I've never thought about, you know, like organizing that into my journal. And so now I think I might wanna just carry this in my bag. And as I'm walking and as I'm making those observations, just like make a little note, jot it down. And I love, um, the last thing I say is, um, the the idea of the weather and the date and the time made so much sense to me, but I love the inclusion of my mood um, because you know sometimes when I'm walking to work on a Monday morning or on a day when I didn't sleep very well, it feels really different. And so, does that affect what's happening in the classroom? I imagine it does. But to have that piece um, to look at that and connect a little bit more, and just you know more faithfully look at that tree and observe what's happening in that space. That's just my favorite tree in the world because I feel like I know it so well, and I just appreciate getting to know a little bit more about it, Dorafro, and just like I'm so excited to use this tomorrow and start observing things. So thank you, everyone. I really appreciate uh, joining in on this, and a lot of thank you for. Uh, getting me uh, involved in this. And Andrew, thank you all. Um, I, uh, I don't do much journal writing, but I do art um, uh, and I draw a lot. And uh, uh, I did write something. I'm just gonna share with you a real quick thing from the beginning when we started. And uh, I was looking out my window, I can see a, a big window here. And it, it says, here's what I wrote, uh, fall sunlight uh, through the window, create afternoon shadows. Cool music sets, sets the tone for communal creativity. So good. Thank you for sharing. Beautiful, Benny. That so good, yeah. Benny. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I don't normally write, but uh, uh, you inspired me to, to write a quick something uh, because it kind of slowed me down because we, I started in a kind of hectic mood trying to get my camera on. And, and once everything cleared up, that kind of helped me settle on, okay, you don't have a camera, that's okay. It's just, you know, work, uh, roll with, roll, just roll with it. <laughs> Thank you all. That's awesome. Thank you. So I don't know if y'all saw or noticed my picture on the, when my screen is off, but it's of me looking into the face of a sunflower. And um, one of our essay prompts in the forest bathing program that I went through was Tell us about your first experience with nature. And when I when I talk about berry stuff, I hadn't had to think about that, like to write it down for a long time, just never thought about it. But when I had to think about it, I was reminded of the sunflowers that used to both scare me and fascinate me at the same time. Because when I was four, 
you could look up into them and like see this creepy thing. And it would seem, it was always when it was cooler outside. So it was getting a little bit dark and I would stare at it until I ran from it. And that was in my grandma's backyard. Um, and that was like my first nature connection that I had to think about. But I, I wonder if just starting a, a journaling experience with that prompt to just get people to really be like, whoa, it was powerful for me. And I think that it could provide a powerful experience for other people as well to get back into nature and their connection to it. But this was, this was awesome. It just helped me tie the bow on that experience too. So thank you. I was gonna express my gratitude too, but now I need to write that prompt down. So <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'll write it down later, but I've just been writing and taking notes. And thank you, Leandra, for inspiring me because I feel like I've had writer's block and I'm the type of person to say, I'm not an artist, I can't do it, but I I'm pretty proud of myself. Oh, I don't know if you can see it. There's oh, just a bunch yeah. of notes, but also little drawings. So yeah, thank hey, you. Hey, I see you, Maya. Me. I see you. That's great, Maya. I'm getting there. <laughs> it's, it's looking real elementary, but it'll get there. But yeah, this is very inspiring and I'm super excited. And I have all the prompts written down and I've been wanting to attend outdoor Afro events for a while now. So thank you, Lana, for inviting me. And thank you all, that was awesome. So I just want to, on behalf of the National Marine Project again, thank everyone and special shout out to Leandra and Alana for leading us through this tonight. It was so beautiful. And I love how you shared your examples from your work and the music and sort of set up the whole situation so that we could create and share together tonight. Um, so thank you so much. And um, Chaya, I just want to thank you for all your work connecting us through this event and this opportunity. And it's been really wonderful to get to know you. And, um, and as always, our National Parks partners, we're always really excited to learn and work alongside you um, and through all these adventures of Right Out. So I hope that we can all stay together through Right Out as um, it continues. And um, thank you to my writing project colleagues too, who uh, made the time to be here and um, have been working in lots of creative ways um, with uh, your kids every day too in this work. So I don't know, I just, I feel full of gratitude and just um, personally find this incredibly life-giving. And so hope that we can um, support more people and really take you know time to sort of step outside and do some of this work together and uh, stay connected. So uh, right out runs through Sunday. We hope to see you um, and uh, you know do your work in your place and space and don't think about us and pay attention to where you are. And then when you're done and you're like, oh, I want to share it with somebody, share it online using the hashtag uh, right out post it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, if you're at the Writing Project, we all have a teacher studio space that you can use too. And we're just really excited to see what you're creating and celebrate with you about your place and your write out experience. So thank you everyone. Radio.
You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP Radio.